Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Hey everyone, how's it going this morning? So my name is Brooke, for those of you who don't know me. Um, My husband Andrew and I have been at Refuge for about three and a half years, I think-ish, something like that, almost four Um, And we love Refuge. We love Pastor Matt and Deb, and I'm just thankful that they let me be up here this morning. It's kind of humbling, Um, but they have poured into our life so immensely, um, personally and a personal level, and also into our marriage. They've done a lot for us and walked through some hard times with us and walked through good times with us, and so thank you guys. We love you guys. so. Um, So this morning, I am going to read from the story of Isaac and Rebecca. So if you've been here the past couple weeks, we're talking about love stories in the Bible. And um, all of them so far, Michaela talked about Ruth and Boaz, Pastor Matt talked about Hosea and Gomer, and I'm talking Isaac and Rebecca. And all of them are in the Old Testament. So there's the old and there's the new. And I wanted to say this because I feel like a lot of people, maybe not the older people if you've been in church for a long time, but Um, maybe if you're closer to my age or younger than me, a lot of people have a hard time reading the Old Testament, and and I think it's because they don't understand it. And so I want to say one thing about that is that the Old Testament, obviously the whole Bible, but the Old Testament is all about Jesus. Noah and the ark Jesus. Moses parting the Red Sea, Jesus. I mean, you, and that is what the Holy Spirit gives you. He gives you that revelation when you're reading these stories, and he, God shows you, he always, he always shows you his son, Jesus. And um, anybody can read a story in the Bible and pull out um, principles of God's wisdom or practical advice. I mean, people that aren't Christians can do that. But what we have with the Holy Spirit is we have divine revelation and insight into those stories. And so as we're reading this story, keep in mind that we are reading a picture of Jesus. And, and ultimately, um, so we have, I guess we can kind of just get into it here. Well, let's, let's pray first. <laughs> Jesus, we thank you for this, um, this time that we have together. Thank you for this day. Thank you that Sundays are the best day of the week because we get to come and be encouraged and built up in our faith um, as we go to the next week, into this next week, Lord. And I just thank you for every single person here that you would speak exactly what they need right now, today, whatever they're going through, that you are so great that you can do that. You meet everybody where they're at, and I just pray that you would um, use me and speak through me, Lord. Um, and we worship you and love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me pull it up here. If you, um, we're going to read the story. It's in Genesis 24. If you have your Bible or if you have your phone or whatever you want to use, I encourage you to follow along. And because I'm not going to, this is a really long chapter. There's 67 verses. I'm not going to read all of them. Okay, we're not going to do that. But I'm going to pull out certain pieces and talk about it. Um, So highlight the ones that they're going to be on the screen and stuff like that so that later today or whenever you can go back and read it for yourself. 
with the inspiration from the Holy Spirit, and you can get your own divine revelation, okay? So I encourage you to, to mark these down or highlight them or whatever you want to do. So, again, what I said is that this is all about Jesus. So we have Abraham, and he, the very first verse in this chapter says, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed him in all things. So Abraham, his wife Sarah, had just died in the chapter before. She's, she's gone. So he's getting really old, and he realizes that because God had promised him descendants for, you know, as numerous as the stars and everything, so he needed a wife for his son Isaac, because he was next, Isaac was next in line. So Abraham sends out his servant, and his name is Eleazar. Say Eleazar. Weird name. Don't name your child that, because people would think you're weird. So, <laughs> sorry if you wanted to. So send out. <laughs> so Abraham sends out his servant to go find a wife, a bride, for his son Isaac. Does that sound familiar? God the Father, Abraham, because we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? That's pretty basic. Even any church you go to, you might you hear that. So Abraham is a picture of God the Father who sends out his Holy Spirit to get the bride, which is us, which is this chosen people, for his son, Jesus Christ, Right? Jesus and his bride, that's what it's all about. I mean, if you read the whole, you can write, read this in any story, then you get into the, new, you know, in the Old Testament, then you get to the New Testament, and Jesus talks about, um, <clears throat> he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like a bridegroom waiting for his bride, and he invites them to come to the wedding feast, right? And then Revelation is all about um, the groom is coming back, and we're going to have a big wedding party, right? So this is a picture of Christ and his bride. So let's get into the story, and as we get into it, keep in mind we're talking about God uh, sending his Holy Spirit to get the bride for his son. So Eleazar goes to his, uh, Abraham sends him to his uh, home country. He says, go to my own people, my own family, and get a bride for my son from them. So Eleazar goes with ten camels, and that's kind of important, you'll see why that's a little important, and um, some men, and they get to this country where they're going to find the girl. So they come to a well, and this is really funny because <laughs> Andrew and I were, were laughing about this. This well was when the, all the girls came to, at evening time to draw water. And so, I mean, think of how funny that is that he, him and his men go sit by the well waiting for the girls to come. Like, like, they, like, how kind of sneaky, do you know what I mean? That he was like, oh, this is where all the girls are coming. You know, I'm going to just, like, sit here and wait for her. Like, it's just funny that he did that. So anyways, he's sitting at the well, and this is where we're going to start reading um, in verse 11. It says, we're going to read 11 through 14 here. It says, and he made his camels kneel down, kneel down, Outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when women go out to draw water. Verse 12, then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. 
Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So he gives two things to God. He puts two things before him and he says, okay, the first is that I'm going to ask her for a drink and she's going to say, yeah, go, here, I'll give you a drink. The second is that she's going to, without me asking, she's going to go above and beyond and offer to water my 10 camels. That's a lot of water. I would not want to do that. I don't want to water 10 camels, okay? <laughs> but she's, that's what he put before God and he said, the woman that does this is the one. Then I will know that God has answered my prayer and she's the one, okay? So then verse 15, this is what we, is so powerful that we want to hone in on. It says, and it happened before he had finished speaking that behold, Rebecca came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Before he had finished speaking. That, I had to stop on that for a long time. I was like, wow. It doesn't say after he finished speaking. It doesn't say 10 minutes after he finished praying. Or it doesn't say that God, that he prayed and then God had to think about it if he was going to answer his prayer. And then God took his time answering his prayer. And then God was like, yeah, okay, I think I'll answer it. It was said before he had finished praying. Another version says praying or speaking in his heart before he had finished praying. You know what that means? God is ahead of us. God is not late. God is not, God doesn't play catch up. Okay, so, so God is ahead of you in your situations. That before, what did Jesus say? He said that, he said that uh, don't worry about tomorrow because your heavenly father, he's your father. He knows what you need before you even ask it. Sometimes before you even know what you need, he, is already, he already knows what you need and he's already got it on the way. So he's, God is always working. God is working and we don't see it because we, we, we can't see the spiritual realm that's going on. <clears throat> but God is always working, and God is never late. And I, you know, I, I heard a preacher say this, and I'm going to use it, and it was so powerful. He said that, you know, the, the, earth, you know, the, uh, the hurricanes that just happened, and the earthquakes and everything, and people are freaking out, and they're like, where is God? God, where are you? God, what's going on? All this stuff. And you know what? That's, okay, first of all, God doesn't do those things. The devil does those things because the devil has to play catch up with God. The devil is behind. God is ahead. God is doing stuff. God is answering prayers. God is speaking to people. God is saving people. God is setting people free. <clears throat> God is doing all that stuff. The devil is trying to catch up to God like a madman running around crazy. The devil is behind. The devil is not ahead of you. God is ahead of you. God goes before you. And at the beginning of the chapter, part we did not read, which I'm just going to share briefly, is that the servant, so Abraham said, go, you know, go find a wife for my bride. And the servant said, well, what if she doesn't want to go with me? And Abraham said, an angel of the Lord will go before you to find a wife for my son Isaac. So God goes before you. Don't need to worry. God is already there. He's already, he's already been there. He's already seen your problems. He's already seen your mess. Before you even ask him for it and you pour out your heart to him, you're like, God, I want this. God, I need this. God, what's going on? You know, you have those, those moments or whatever. God already knows. He's already there. Trust Trust, we trust in him that he's already there, that he has gone before us. Amen.
Verse 16, now the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin, no man had known her, and she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. So I'm not going to read all this, but it says that, um, so she did the two things that he prayed about, she did them, she completed them, and it actually says that he was sitting in silence, wondering at her, that he was waiting to see, I mean, can you imagine him, like, like before he even finished praying, there's this girl, and she's doing the very thing he just prayed about before he even finished it, and he's like, oh, it's happening right before my eyes. Like, God is doing this right before my eyes. This is happening. God's answering my prayer. And, and, then, and, and then he's waiting for her, waiting for her to finish watering all the ten camels, which probably took a long time. Kind of, I would not, again, not want, want to do that. Rebecca's a saint, whatever. <laughs> so... Um, so he was wondering at her. He was waiting in silence. He was sitting, waiting to see if God was going to come through, if this was really, if this was her, okay? So it turns out it was. She did it. Long story short, again, I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Um, she goes back and he tells her that, you know, hey, I just prayed this and this happened. You're the one. She goes back and tells her family, her brother Laban and her mother, and she tells them what happened and everything. And then and then he comes back and he spends the night with them. And they're, it says they're eating and drinking and they're talking and stuff like that. And then we get down to verse 35. The servant is sitting there with her, with Rebecca and her family. And he starts to tell them about his master. Verse 35. The Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, male, female, servants and camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son, Isaac, to my master when she was old. And to him he has given all that he has. He sa- he's saying that Abraham is great. He's bragging about him, how awesome he is, how rich he is. He has a lot of money. He has a lot of camels, which back then was, you know, what, what they had. That'd be like us. I don't know what you relate today, but whatever. So... <laughs> So, so he's telling him all about it, and he's saying that, and Abraham has passed it all down to Isaac, and this is the groom that I, that I want you to be with. This is your groom, and he's bragging about him and telling him about him. You know what? The Holy Spirit tells you about Jesus. The Holy Spirit will tell you how wonderful he is. He'll tell you the riches that he has, the blessings that he has. You don't see Jesus. Jesus was a man. There's God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Son came in the flesh, was died, crucified, died, buried, rose again on the third day. And the Bible says that he's seated, he, went, he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, and now he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, when he ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came. Jesus is not here with us in the flesh, Right? You were not one of the 12 disciples. I was not. We did not see him. I've never seen him. I don't know what he looks like. I don't, I don't know. But I have the Holy Spirit. Just like in this story, he tells me, confirms with me. It's called, it's called the inward witness. He tells me who Jesus is, the riches, the blessings. And he's inviting, he's trying to brag about him, to invite you to go to your groom. He's inviting the bride, you, the one he loves, the one he's chosen, the one he's handpicked. The church, the original word is ecclesia. It means the called out ones. You are called out. You are chosen. So he's going to you and he's telling you about Jesus. 
That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what we see a picture of in this part. How awesome is that? And then someday we will see Jesus, right? But, but we have the Spirit to tell us right now. And he tells us how wonderful he is. And he tells us all about him. So then, uh, so they're like, wow, okay, this is, he's amazing. This is wonderful. We really believe that this is God. This is the word of God. This really happened. So, okay, yeah, we, we like, we want her to go, you know. But then, verse 54, it says, and he and the men who were with him uh, ate and drank and stayed all night. Then they arose in the morning and he said, send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least 10, 10 days, and then after that she can go. And he said, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so I can go to my master. Don't wait. Don't make me delay. If this is really from God, if this is really what God has, God really answered my prayer like this is real, why would I wait? Don't make me wait. Don't delay me with, my, with the, 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 uh, the business that I came to do to get the bride for the groom. Don't make the groom wait. Don't make the bride wait. Let's go, right? <clears throat> so they said, well, let's call her and ask her for, for herself. So they called Rebecca. And they said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. I love that. Another version says, says that they asked Rebecca, and she said, I am ready. The, when the Holy Spirit calls, do not delay. Do not hinder him. Don't, wait, don't make the groom wait for you. He delights in you. He loves you. He doesn't want to wait for you. And, he, and you don't want to wait for him because of how wonderful he is, the riches and the blessings that he has. Be like Rebecca when the Holy Spirit calls you. He calls you. Don't wait. Say, I'm ready. Say, I will go, even if you don't feel like it. And, you know, this can be for those of you, people that, that have never um, made Jesus the, your Savior, the Lord of your life. You've never believed in him, and maybe for the first time, that's what God's calling you to do. The first time that you're going to go, okay, yes, I believe, and you're going to accept him into your life, and you're going to become a new person. But this is also for those of us that are already believers. The Holy Spirit is still calling you. He never stops calling. He calls you, and maybe it's Maybe it's just that he calls you to go higher, just a little higher. Go higher, come higher. The Bible says he takes us from glory to glory to glory. And, you know, I, I feel like when God calls me to go, okay, so I'm a believer already, right? But God is still calling me to do things in my life, to go places that sometimes it's really uncomfortable and I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, can anyone else relate? When God is, you know that he's calling you and you hear him and he's telling you about, about the freedom that he wants you to have or the, the new level he wants to take you to, the, new, the, new, the higher place, the new dream he has for you. But you don't really want to because it's comfortable and you have to give, maybe give up something. Or you maybe have to uh, get out of your comfort zone. Or you maybe have to trust him more. God forbid we have to trust him more when he calls us and he's stretching us. But, he, the, but the Holy Spirit 
is, is always working in our lives. He's always moving and he's always calling us and speaking to us. He never stops. And it's because he loves you. Because he wants to take you higher to better places, to greater places, because he wants to use you in greater ways. And he wants you to be blessed in greater ways. He wants you to have freedom. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to break free from your addictions and all that stuff. He wants to take you more because he, Jesus said, I, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. He doesn't want you just to live a mediocre life. He wants you to live abundantly to the full, to the life you can't even imagine, Right? He wants that for you. So Rebecca said, I will go. I am ready. So they sent Rebecca away, and they're on their way back to meet the groom, to meet Isaac, back to the, where he's living. In, um, in verse 63, it says, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening, and he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. I feel like this could be kind of like a movie, you know, like, oh, like, like Isaac's like, <laughs> I mean, right? Isaac is like, you know, he's like meditating, and he's this godly man, and then he looks up, and she's coming on a camel, and it's like at evening, so the sun's setting, like, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> that's what I picture, that's what I picture when I read this story, honestly. But it, that's what, when you read these stories, it comes alive to you like that, right? Because this happened. It's real. We believe it's real. It actually happened. So you could think of it that way. So then, then, verse 64, then Rebecca lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, who is this man walking to meet us? The servant said, it is my master. That's him. So she took a veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So go back to verse 63. It says, and Isaac went into the field to meditate. So the word meditate is actually all that it means is to contemplate or to engage in deep thought. So you can meditate about anything, right? I mean, people meditate about Buddha, Allah. I mean, people meditate on different things. You can meditate on anything. We, being a believer in Christ, meditate on the word of God, meditate on Jesus, meditate on the scriptures. I contemplate about it. I sit and I think deeply about it. That's how I'm getting my mind renewed and my soul I'm in line with the word is I have to take that time to do that. But the thing about this is that someone who is meditating, they're resting. Do you, have you ever seen someone who's super stressed and anxious and fear, living in fear and worried all the time? Are they meditating? Probably not. Probably not. And not in the way that I would on the word of God. When I'm stressed, when I'm anxious, when I'm living in fear, I don't want to meditate. I'm not meditating. I'm, I'm stressed. I'm worrying. I have all these thoughts, and, and I'm anxious. I have anxiety, all this stuff. So when you're in the posture of resting, you meditate. And Isaac, here's the key. Isaac was resting because of what? He was trusting. So trusting produces rest. You cannot, you cannot have one without the other. They go hand in hand. When you're totally 100% trusting God, 
you will rest. If you're not resting, you're not trusting. You're not trusting in God. But when you're trusting, you're resting. And, and it's interesting, this whole story was, did we hear about Isaac at all, this whole story? No, it's all about the, the, the servant. The servant was the one doing the work, right? And the only part we heard about Isaac was that the servant told Rebecca and her family about him. But really, we don't know what he was doing this whole time. Was he back home cooking? Doing, who knows what he was doing? But he was trusting. He was trusting in God that the woman that came back was the one that God had because he trusted in God, therefore he could rest. And you know, the, 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 the biggest, if, okay, so if you take Isaac out of this picture, because remember, this is a picture of Christ and his bride. So if we're talking about Christ and his bride, then if we take Isaac out of the picture, put Jesus in the picture, Jesus was resting. Jesus is the most restful person you will ever meet. But yet he was, I mean, his earthly ministry, he was working. But did you know this? I wanted to share this because it's so powerful. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there's a place called the Holy of Holies. And this is where the glory, the presence of God dwelt in a little tent, okay, right? And you can go read about that in, in the Old Testament, but I'm just going to give you a little snippet here. The presence of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies, and the high priest that would go in to offer sacrifices, animal sacrifices, to pay for his sin and the sins of the people, he never sat down in the Holy of Holies. In the presence of God, he never sat. He, he had to stand. So when the Bible says the most powerful word in the whole Bible, in my, that I like in my opinion, is that the Bible says that when Jesus died, was crucified, died, and he, and, and he rose again on the third day, it says that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow, so, so Jesus sat. That word sat, he sat down. And if you, the significance of that is that the priest never could sit because they were working. They weren't resting. They were working. They had to sacrifice for their sins over and over and over. They sinned every single day. The people sinned every single day. So they had to go back in and cut up an animal and sacrifice to ask God for forgiveness for their sins. But Jesus paid for forgiveness of sins once and for all. And so he, and he sat down. And that's why Jesus sitting, when the Bible says that Jesus is sitting on the, at the right hand of the throne of God, that's significant and it's important because it means that he is done working. Because he doesn't have to pay for sin anymore and you don't have to pay for sin anymore because he did it once and for all with his own blood on the cross. And that's powerful. And so you can rest also. Jesus offers you that rest. You would not believe how many people even younger than me, I know I'm pretty young, but younger than me, that are so stressed out and anxious. And they say out of their own mouths, I've, oh, I've just, my anxiety today is just so bad and I'm just so stressed out. And sometimes I'm like, you're not even married and you don't even have kids. How are you stressed out that bad? Like, come on, sorry, but, but no, but really they're living in fear. I mean, right? Try getting married and having kids after a while, and then you'll be like, okay, now I'm a little stressed. 
but, <laughs> but, 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 they're, but they're living in fear. They're not entering God's rest. They're not, they don't have rest. They're, ang- they're anxious and they're, and they're afraid and they're stressed and they're worried and all this stuff because they don't trust. They're not trusting. If you feel like that, go trust God. Trust him and then you will rest. And then no matter what you're doing, and rest isn't just a physical thing on the outside that I lay on the couch all day. Rest is in here. And actually, when you're truly resting, when you're truly resting in here, in in Jesus, you will be a very active Christian. You will be a very busy, busy Christian. You will serve. You will go pray with people. You'll meet with people. You'll meet with guys and girls. And you'll talk about the Lord. And you'll get into the word. Because true rest produces fruit. And it's the fruit of the good works, the good deeds that we do. But it doesn't, we don't do good works first or good deeds first and then try to rest. And somehow trying to rest from doing these things. We rest in Jesus because he is resting because he already paid for us for our sin and he his arms are open wide saying just come rest and then we produce fruit then we go do these things right so as we close here today um, again this story is a picture of Jesus and his bride and I'm going to go say it again he handpicked you to be his bride. And a verse that I didn't read that I'm going to go back to, it said, oh, I did read it. It says that Rebecca was very beautiful, that she was a virgin. And that's significant, significant because if we're the bride of Christ, you're a virgin. We're a virgin. We are pure. We are clean. We are cleansed from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9, it says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The only things in that verse that you have to do, confess your sins and believe. That's it. You confess and then you believe that he's forgiven you and you believe that he's cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Believe. That's all you have to do. He has done it for you. Ephesians 5.27, I forgot to put the verse up there, but Ephesians 5.27 says that he's purified a bride for himself to make her holy and blameless without fault, without spot or wrinkle or anything, but to purify her so that she's without fault, holy and blameless before him. It's not about what you do, it's that he's already done that for you. That's who you are in Christ, that's who he's made you to be. He made you his bride, he made you pure, clean and holy. So if you guys can, let's stand up together. In a little bit, the prayer team's gonna be up here and we're gonna, we're gonna have a time where we can pray and pray for you and pray with people. Um, and we're gonna worship God too and rest in his presence. But if, if you wanna bow your head and close your eyes, if you, have, if you don't know that you're his bride, you have never received the invitation to be his bride, all you have to do is like Rebecca did, she said, I'm ready. She said, I will go, let's go. Let's go. I want to go. If you've never met your groom, if you don't know who he is, you've never been in a relationship with him, you don't even know what I'm talking about. If that's you for the first time and you're saying, I'm ready, just raise your hand so I can pray with you. We want to pray with you today. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus.
Jesus. So let's all just pray this prayer. If you pray that for the first, or uh, if, if you raise your hand and this is the first time that you're entering into that, that marriage, that bridegroom relationship with Jesus, then you can pray this prayer after me. And the rest of you can, if you want to pray along or, or pray silently for the other people, whatever you want to do, but we'll, let's pray this. Lord Jesus, thank you for your son that you died on the cross for me, that you paid for my sin with your own blood. Thank you that I can enter your rest and that from this moment forward, I am born again. I am a new person. The old has gone, the new has come. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.